Hi, it's Aaron. I'm Steve's producer. If you've been on social media or listened to the show over the past couple of weeks, you'll know Steve has been suffering from a vicious infection from the bacteria MRSA or MRSA. On Thursday afternoon of last week, Steve and his wife Amy, just when it seemed like Steve was on the other side of this infection, they traveled about a thousand miles away from home to Rochester, New York for a speaking engagement that was supposed to take place on Friday afternoon. Thursday night into Friday at their hotel in Rochester, Steve started spiking the first of many serious fevers and was taken by ambulance to a local hospital. On Saturday afternoon, after Steve had been discharged from that hospital, Steve sat down at his hotel and recorded the following message, an incredible story of God's faithfulness. Have a listen. Hey everybody, it's uh, Steve Dace, and I'm sitting here in my hotel in Rochester, New York, on Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, getting ready to fly home uh, to Iowa. After quite an ordeal, and uh, really, really a night that I, I am probably not going to forget for the rest of my life. As I know a lot of you have heard, we came here to speak for a Moms for Liberty event, and we flew in the night before Amy and I did, and once we got here, uh, I started having fever spikes. And they uh, eventually, over the middle of the night, reached 104. And at that point, Amy called 911 and brought me in to Strong Memorial Hospital is where the ambulance took me here in Rochester. And uh, the biggest fear, of course, with my recent MRSA infection, these things are very persis persistent, as a lot of you have warned me. Um, once they pick on you once, they like to keep coming back. So the big concern was maybe this was sepsis, uh, that this had gotten into my bloodstream, which would require a several-day hospital admission, maybe maybe even a pick line that can stay in your arm for up to six months, depending on how long it takes to finally get rid of the, uh, the infection in your blood. And, uh, you know, we were looking at not even knowing when we were going to be able to go home. And it was just very, very discouraging after everything we had already been through with this, all the stress of the last few weeks. Um, you know, my wife herself is still awaiting an MRI to confirm whether she needs surgery for her torn meniscus or not. And then she had uh, a serious uh, allergic reaction to the morphine they gave her. I mean, we, we, we just, and then it's just, it's, it's been a battle on multiple fronts. There has been a, a spiritual battle in place. And I mean, sitting in that ER on Friday morning, they're so, they're so full that there are people much sicker than me, much worse off than I am. Elderly people as well, in beds, lined up in rows in the hallways all throughout the lower level because they're so overloaded. It was, I mean, I've just never seen anything like this before. And uh, they've, got, they've got like a makeshift tent, enclosed massive tent outside for overflow. And 
they find there is a, they, finally a room becomes available for me. It is literally in the very back corner, on the last row of that facility, and there's no promise that if it is in my blood that I'm getting out of that room. I might be in that room for days because they're so over full that there may not even be a bed upstairs. And uh, I have to tell you, I felt something on Friday for the first time, on Friday morning. For the first time, I maybe have not felt in many, many, many years. Defeat. I, I felt like I had been defeated. And even though the movie opened top 10 at the box office last week, if I'm being brutally honest, it still opened less than what we had hoped. I had the most conservative estimate in our management group, our producer group, I should say, and it still opened below that. And we've all endured so much to bring nefarious to the screen the trials, the ordeals, I've talked about some of those things, and you kind of think that you, you did all this for God, and you, you persevered, and he's going to reward it. And uh, I just I thought I had gotten over that the previous weekend. I was really, really down. Amy called a, a pastor buddy of ours from out of state, who called and uh, got me off the ledge and, and gave me some very vital points that I, I needed to hear, which I greatly appreciate, you know, and so now your, your resolve gets strengthened again. And I go in on, on Thursday afternoon and have my, what I thought was going to be my final follow-up for this MRSA infection. And the doctor gives it a ringing endorsement and you're good to go. And next thing you know, less than 24 hours later, man, you're on a gurney being lifted out of a uh, ho uh, an airport hotel in Rochester, New York at uh, 5 a.m. I, I just, I was defeated. I mean, I, I, I was as discouraged as I have, have probably ever been in my Christian life. I felt discouragement like that before, but a lot of times it came from certain things I may have witnessed or endured in my own home environment. I, I, I just, since God saved me, I've just never felt that low. As the day went on, fevers broke for a while, then came back later in the afternoon. And I, I could feel, though, I could feel my resolve out of nowhere starting to return. I had no reason for it. Um, there was nothing all that promising. My initial labs had not indicated anything was seriously wrong, but we hadn't gotten the culture back yet to make sure that it wasn't in my bloodstream. I mean, they're on the phone with the infectious disease doctors and everything else, you know, planning for worst case scenarios. And until the day I go to my grave, I'm going to be convinced that you guys are responsible for that resolve. I just, I was so down. I couldn't even post much on Twitter. I'm not even sure what the heck happened in the news the last 36 hours. And Amy just kept me up to date on all the stuff that was going on. I got so many texts. I've, I've probably received more texts in the last 48 hours 
than I have my entire life. I mean, I got, I got offers from senators to help me have planes come and get me to take me back home or to where disease specialists were. Um, I mean, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. I, I mean, I was just, I was just overwhelmed. And, uh, It was like a, a courage transfusion, man. I could just, even though I'm burning up, I'm still chilling, I'm trembling. I could just feel my resolve strengthen. And then that resolve was tested when we find out that per hospital policy, Amy has to leave by 8, 8 p.m. That means I'm going to spend the next 12 hours alone in that room. They were able to finally get me to a, a another kind of makeshift observational area. Still not really a room, It's, but it, it was more privacy. There's community bathrooms, but at least there was more space. You could receive at least a single visitor. And uh, so given how overloaded they were, I was just incredibly blessed to even get into that room. And uh, finally, Amy left. And uh, I'm there. And I think the last thing I tweeted out was, it's just going to be me, God, and the enemy alone in this room for the next 12 hours. And I just hope that I endure. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I did not know. I fell asleep shortly after she left. I woke up a little before nine, so I wasn't even asleep an hour. And I've got two IVs going in me, one in each arm. They've tried to switch up the antibiotics to take me off the one that was oral that I had, that just in case I was having, this was all because of an allergic reaction to it. In other words, these are these sulfate antibiotics are so aggressive, you know, basically did it turn on me once it eradicated the infection, did it suddenly turn on my immune system now? And uh, I wake up, man, and I am on fire. I'm not as bad as I was when the when the ambulance came to get me where I literally could not stand. I was trembling so bad, but I mean, I, I am on fire. And the IV that's in my left hand hurts like a mother. And I'm just like, I cannot, I can't quit again. I can't. I have to, I have to finish. And I felt this conviction. Get up, rise, and walk. And I stand up. I've got rashes down my legs. I'm not even wearing shoes. And I ask my nurse, can you just detach me from the IV for just a few minutes so I can just walk around a little bit? And you know, they're always worried about blood clots when you're when you're that sedentary for that long. So she was like, absolutely. Just be careful of dizziness. I mean, I'm normally a 65 to 75 resting heart rate guy and my resting heart rate right now is like 114. And I just start walking around and and, and she said, but you know, you, you just can't leave the, 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 the wing. And so it's a C, it's not a circle. So you can't walk in a circle. You walk down to one end and then circle back the other end. As I started walking, 
the, the pain in my hand just, it went away. Never returned. And I kept walking. Nobody stopped me and I was feeling good. I mean, I try to be active as much as I can as a, you know, I still got a bit of a dad bod 50 year old. So my body is, at first I think my body is just responding well to the activity. And uh, I just keep going. I look at my watch, like 10 or 15 minutes has gone by and I'm like, wow, they haven't stopped me. So, okay. I look at my watch again and I'm, I don't have any earbuds in. I can't hear anything. I'm not listening to anybody's podcast or anything. And uh, I just have this urge that I have to just keep going. I can't quit. I have to go. Suddenly, I, 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 I start sweating a little bit, and my fever starts to break. And it feels like there's no one else in this wing but just me. And it was, it was very clear that the Lord had some things to say to me. And I, I want to share them with you. And I hope they encourage you. He confronted me. I have put too much faith in the gifts he has given me and not enough in him. And because I'm always quick to give him credit when you give it to me, I'm mistaken that for faith, for humility and recognition. And I, I was wrong. The devil said to me, you're still the same chubby kid Dave Dace used to beat up. Nothing's changed. And in some respects, God said that is true, but not for the reason that he says it is. Because you won't break free of that prison. The cell door is open. Walk out. By his grace, I never put obligations to earn my, earn my praise, earn my support to my children. I always rewarded them when they did well, but I always made sure that they knew that my love and support for them was, uh, was unconditional. And I didn't, by God's grace, I never imposed what was on me onto them. But I, I never broke free of it myself. The Lord showed me. I, I, I never applied what I did to my children to him. And I kept waiting for these moments, these showdown moments, these breakthrough break moments. That it would be very clear that I, I have earned what God has given me, the gifts he has given me that I do not deserve. 
and have abused many times. <laughs> and he reminded me of one of my favorite scenes in the movie Joshua that I've just... There's always two scenes in that movie that every time I've seen it just break me. And for the first time I understood why for one of them there's a scene where where Jesus comes upon a, a tent revival and there's a minister there pretending to do deliverances and healings but it's all a farce and he's got a earpiece in and the whole thing is a is a scam and there's this beautiful young woman sitting in the front row blind she is there believing she's getting delivered she's going to get her miracle and she is waiting she got there early she's in the front row she will be called upon she will see that the Lord is good. And of course, because the whole thing's not real, they bypass her and she's discouraged. Joshua sees this or Yeshua sees this. And in the midst of this circus, without condemning it, but ignoring it, he solemnly walks over to this young girl, bends down, takes off her glasses, and restores her sight. And suddenly, in the midst of a true miracle, the whole sideshow just stops, amazed. And you expect Joshua to turn around. You think he's going to be angry. He says something even more profound. He looks at the man, the man on the stage the pulpit, he looks at him and he says, you don't have to do it this way. <laughs> the cell door is open. Walk out of the prison you're in. You're only stopping you. I added that last part. I look down on my watch. Now an hour has gone by. Keep in mind, I have been in IVs off my feet for nearly 24 hours. I'm not even wearing shoes. I'm just walking in the middle of the night in this observation wing at this Rochester hospital. And everybody's just letting me go. I'm not hooked up to anything. Nobody checks my vitals. They're just letting me go. It's like there's nothing else happening in the world but this. Then the Lord said something to me that made me sob. <laughs> and every time I think about it, I, it breaks my heart again. He said, and this is one of the most plainly worded things I've ever heard him say to me. Stephen, I, I need apostles, not assassins. It just broke me in this hallway. And I cried away. I have not cried since the night that he saved me. 
I need apostles, not assassins. A woman sent me, her man sent me a note about our movie and how it helped him to come to finally deliverance and healing for the sexual abuse that he suffered many years ago. When he began to think, yes, the person who did this to me must be held accountable, but I can forgive him because how broken must he be that he was willing to hurt me this way? And I read that note, but I didn't really receive that note. I understand it now. There is true, real, demonic activity in our culture, the likes of which I believe we have never seen, at least not out and proud like this. But the vast majority of the people that are perpetuating it are broken and lost. They are not wolves, they are sheep. They don't know that the cell door is open, they can walk out. So they retreat into the darkness further and this is why, this is why, and this is what I think you need to hear most of all. The Lord senses us losing hope. <laughs> he senses that we are losing hope, that we are about to let go of the rope. That we don't trust in his justice anymore or his timing anymore or his sovereignty anymore. He knows we are besieged. He knows we are discouraged. And he, the thing that he most wanted me to share with all of you listening is don't lose hope. I looked down on my watch. It was 11 o'clock. Two hours had gone by. I know there is someone listening to this right now and you are thinking, I, I, I'm never going to win my spouse back. Don't lose hope. Keep doing good. The Lord senses that we are about to get blackpilled, that we will cease doing good. That we are watching the amount of our countrymen who will not walk through the open cell. They will not leave the darkness. And that we will leave the light in response and go back in. Somebody listening has, they have a child questioning their gender identity, sexuality. You've tried to reach out and they push you away. The Lord says, don't lose hope. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop. Because that's what he told me. I don't need you to produce a movie. It's great, but I don't, I don't need you to do that. I just need you to keep doing good. Just keep doing good things. They're losing hope, he told me. And he said, you're losing hope. Don't lose your hope. Don't tire of doing good. Don't. 
take breaks. There were a couple times I had to sit down for a minute, get a drink of water. But I kept going. I kept walking. I didn't stop. I felt like I was not to stop until the Lord told me so or the nurses finally stepped in. Then the Lord reminded me of all the conversations and everybody I'd seen and met through the course of this day. There were several hospitals they could have taken me to. They took me to a hospital called Strong. I believe that is a message. Stay strong. Don't lose hope. Stay strong. Our good friend Shannon Joy and her family who took such very good care of us during this difficult time, just incredible people, told me that this was a hospital they actually picketed because they got rid of 25% of their staff over the jab. I spoke to one of the doctors there very candidly. He's one of us. What are the odds that I just happened to be in the ER the one day that one of the doctors who's in charge of it happens to just be one of us. And we talked a lot about what those mandates did to the hospital, the environment there. I want you to know though what I saw. Here's what I saw. And here's what I heard from my wife throughout the course of the day. We had to call Expedia. My wife had to explain why we had to cancel with no hope of getting our money back. A man with a very thick Indian accent prayed for us and got as much of a refund as he possibly could. He didn't have to do that. I had, uh, my wife was also outside at one point with a friend. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming. And she told me that out of nowhere, she was just bawling and crying the prospect that I might have to be here for days, if not weeks, so far from home. She was just broken. And out of nowhere, a Jamaican woman comes over and starts just praying with her. In the makeshift room next to me in the observation wing was a 96-year-old woman who was saved the year that I was born and I overheard her church body and I thought they were her sons, but actually she lost both of her sons years ago. These were just members of the church that had come to be with her and to pray with her. As I was going to bed, I start playing verse-by-verse uh, verse ministry from Stephen Armstrong, which our small group is using as a curriculum right now. And this is how I got to know her. She said, hey, this, voice, this elderly voice from behind the other curtain, are you a Christian? I said, yes, ma'am. She asked me if I could turn that up. She really liked it. And it was very encouraging. I was surrounded by a lot of different people. Different walks of life, different races. Different amounts of tattoos on their body. And I can sit here and tell you, Everybody treated me well. Nobody asked me who I voted for. When they asked me what I did for a living and I told them, nobody rolled their eyes or their faces turned sour. See, that's happening. We're doing this to each other because we're losing hope. 
We're losing hope. And when we lose hope, that's when we turn both to darkness and then we turn on each other. We cannot let them pit us against each other to this level. We just can't. And that's hard for me to say. I'm, I, I revel in the aggression. But we cannot allow them. When I say to them, I'm not talking about a political party or an ideology. The darkness is what I'm talking about. We cannot allow them to turn us against each other so we have no humanity left, no empathy left. All I received for the last 24 hours in this hospital, in a place I'd never been to, with a bunch of people I've never met, was mother loads of empathy. And I can't tell you what a difference that made. What a difference it would make to one another if we would show it to one another more. And I don't believe it requires compromising a single principle. In fact, I think it's a fulfillment of them. Because the Lord, the last thing I heard him say to me, some of it was specifically about our movie, and I'm going to keep that private for the filmmakers, if that's okay with all of you, for our team. It's a word just for them, for now. But... The lack of hope is why we are turning on each other like this. The last few years, we let, the, we let them turn on each other. I'm still wearing a mask in this hospital. Didn't feel it the whole time. It doesn't make the mask any less silly, any less statistically irrelevant. That's not the point. The point was we let them use this incredibly inane device to drive a wedge literally down streets, schools, families, for goodness sakes. If they can do that with masks, what do you think the darkness can do with other things? The Lord knows for the last several decades, much of what the church has offered as, quote, hope has been banal, shallow, sentimentality, cringe, cheesy, not real hope. Not the kind of hope where people are truly hurting. He is longing to show us that hope. If we have hope in him, we don't have to make a false choice anymore between standing up for what we believe in and showing love and empathy to our neighbor. They are the same. They are the same thing. I cannot thank every member of the staff at this hospital enough Regardless of what their positions were, I assume if they're working there, they took the jab. I hope they have no, conse no consequences for it. If any of them did and they ever called me, I'd help them right away. I would do for them what my buddy Daniel Horowitz did for me. 
getting one of the, the renowned doctors that he knows on the line. The doctor that I had at Strong was even willing to get on the phone with her. That's incredible. That just does not happen because we're just at loggerheads with each other. There has to be a way. There has to be a way to bridge some of this divide without compromising our values. And there is that way. I just, I learned last night, we're not going to find it on our own. The Lord is that way. And our processes and our institutions and our gifts and our heritages and our traditions don't do anything. In fact, they can often get in the way. We put our faith in them. That's what I did. I put my faith in the gifts God gave me and convinced myself this was actually faith in God. I believe as a country, we are doing that. I think I'm doing that. We're doing that even on our own side at times. I'm not sure how I want to end this. I'm going to have Aaron upload this to our feed on Monday. It was made very clear to me I am to take the rest of this week off. I am to do no work, nothing work-related unless it involves the movie because that is still current and still needs my some of my attention, although we have a fantastic team. I learned a lot the last 24 hours. I'm not needed nearly as much as I had convinced myself. And I have to tell you, the weight that was removed from me to, to learn that finally, to learn that I could just walk out of this cell door, that after 20 years of being a believer, it was finally time to stop trying to make up for what God had given me. And to receive from him the kind of support and love I have given my own children. So I'm going to take the rest of this week off. If you see me on social media, it will just be a, a conversation about the movie. Maybe responding to so many of your prayers. I, I can't even, I don't even know what to say. I can't possibly respond to all these notes. I hope this encourages you. Please don't quit. Don't give up doing good. Don't. That's what the enemy wants. He is weak. He is weak. It's all a facade. It's all a house of cards. It's a shell game. It's a mirage. That's why he's a deceiver. It's a deception. It isn't real. It's just when we lack hope, we think that it is. But it's not real. Thank you to all of you. I mean, I, the Blaze has been incredibly supportive. Many of you have been. So many friends, so many people reached out, offered. I don't even, I don't even know how to repay. And you know what? I learned last night, I don't have to. And I get to, the pleasure is I get to when someone else, when another brother or sister is in this, is in a bind like this, I get to be the Lord for them. I get to serve them. 
And I looked down at my watch. It had been three hours I had walked this corridor of the observation wing at Rochester, at Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester, three hours. It was midnight. And I, the Lord said, that's enough. I looked at my health watch that I have that I keep on me. I'd walked nine kilometers, put in 13,000 steps in just that time. And I felt like it was nothing after being off my feet for 24 hours, heavily medicated, multiple antibiotics, heavy, strong ones. I almost didn't want to stop, but it was time now to go to bed. So I went to my night overnight nurse, Molly, who was a gem. I said, do you finally want to go ahead and take my vitals now? And she did. Gave me some melatonin. I didn't know what was going to happen. I woke up about 3.30 in the morning. I was running another fever, but then the, they noticed with the rashes now, they were very convinced that it was an allergic reaction and not MRSA in my bloodstream. They took another lab just in case. It came back a couple hours. Perfect. So at that moment, they put Benadryl in my IV. Boy, howdy, I hadn't taken that in years. <laughs> Yikes. That'll knock you on your, on your backside. And I was out. I woke up at 7.30 in the morning in a pool of sweat, heavy sweat, like I had just purged this all out of my system. Got some breakfast, took a shower, and they monitored me for another few hours and told me it was okay to go home. I contemplated something yesterday I haven't in a long, long time. I thought about quitting. I'm not as tough as I think I am. And you know what? I'm not. And I needed to learn that. I've relied on it too much. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful until the day of its completion. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know all these verses. I've studied the word many, many times for 20 years. This is the first time, though, I truly know them and understand them. I hope my story helps you to understand them too better. I know so many of you, you feel like quitting too. I get your emails. I know. That's what the enemy wants. He dares you to fight. We don't have to fight. We have to hope. Just do good. Do good in the hope that good things will come from doing good. Because the Lord is good. Just, just do good. Don't give up doing good.
I love you all. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses each and every person who hears this message. Amen. The Steve Day Show will be back on Monday, May 1st with live, original, current programming. Until then, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 17.